You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Everybody sing. And now that you've come to the end of your playtime, there's something I must say out loud. You're once, twice, three times indicted. Thank you. 
At least Don Karen is, he's fast. He's, he's, he's whipping them out fast. Once, twice, three times indicted. But, the, the, you know, there will be rid of you if only. And I say if only because here's the thing. Say that they are able to uh, bring this to trial before the election. Um, you know Donald Trump is going to immediately appeal if, if he's found guilty. The, he will immediately appeal. So this thing will be drug, drug out, dragged out uh, for a long time. It'll be a while before we get rid of we're, we're rid of him, unless he has a heart attack or something. Not wishing harm on anyone, but you know, shit happens. Or to quote Michael Franti, "Bad shit happens, but good shit happens too." <laughs> um, speaking of, of music, uh, last night I did get to go see Jackson Brown. And let me tell you this. I, I love Jackson Brown. I've been a fan since, you know, uh, I think uh, Dr. My Eyes was probably his first hit back around maybe 1971 or two. Right. And I, and obviously I loved those songs, but, um, when the album late for the sky came out, in 74 that you know that was one i bought the album back then that's all we had we had vinyl uh, eight tracks and cassettes came a little later but um had the album and i probably wore the vinyl out on both sides uh you know helped me with my teenage angst and um so I, I, i've loved jackson through the years but i'll tell you last night this tw- i've seen him easily a dozen times. I, I've, I've seen Jackson Brown more than any other artist with the exception of Bruce Springsteen. And I've seen them together a few times too. But because I'm such a big fan, and um, I think the first time I saw Jackson was uh, on the Running on Empty tour, which was still one of the best shows I'd ever seen. Last night's show is up there with the Running on Empty show. And if you can see this current tour, and I know it's winding down, I'm not sure how many cities are left, but go because he's got an awesome band, um, Greg Lease on pedal steel and guitars, uh, uh, Fritz Lewack on drums. Um, I learned that the bass player, who is a woman who was great, I didn't know her name, but somebody on Facebook told me it, uh, she is married to Greg Lease. So there you go. And two backup singers whose names I don't know, but oh my God, they were great. And Jackson was just. You know, he's always personable and talkative in concert, but last night even more so. And I usually hate <clears throat> when people scream out um, 
songs, you know, like play running on empty. He's like, yeah, it's coming. Just, you know, um, and when people would, so, but he was doing the give and take last night and people were screaming out songs. And he's like, really? Some woman screamed out Rosie. Well, if you know Rosie, Rosie is a song from running on empty. That's about masturbation. Uh, Rosie, you're all right. You wear my ring when you turn off the light. Honey, that's my thing. Looks like it's me and you again tonight, Rosie. And apparently it's one he hadn't played in a long time, but he's like, oh, I think we can do that. And so so he did it, and um, uh, he, he, and it was like that the whole night. Um, he, he played a bunch of requests from the audience, and he said, look, with this pared-down band, we're able to just go with the flow and have fun with it. Um, Manicler... You don't know what you're talking about in the chat room, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, go if you have the chance, go see it. it. Was it was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, night of music, and you know, I and so he played like four songs off of Late for the Sky. Someone called out Fountain of Sorrow. He played it. Someone called out Late for the Sky. He played it. Um, it was it was real. It, he did for a dancer, and he did. Um, Oh, God, one more farther on, I think. Um, a bunch of deeper tracks <clears throat> that we don't usually get. And look, you know, I I live for music. It is a diversion for me from the serious shit that, that screws us up every day. Um, and uh, um, uh, all right, I'm ignoring Manicler, who's bringing up ancient news. And um, you weren't there. We'll just leave it at that. All right. So um, yesterday, you know, I, I had to leave for two things. First of all, our audio was fucked up yesterday, so there was not even a podcast. But what happened yesterday is Gotta Laugh was here and she and I were just waiting for uh, for Jack Smith to announce the uh, the. Um, uh, you know, what, uh, uh, the, the indictment and literally I, I stretched it out. I said, all right, I'll give it 10 minutes. So I waited until 10 after six. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. We knew he would only talk for a minute or two. And sure enough, that's all he did. So literally 30 seconds after I turned off all the equipment and said, all right, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, Jack Smith steps up to the podium and says, good evening. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots and they are the very best of us. 
They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it. Right. They put their lives on the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Since the attack on our capital, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment, and our investigation of other individuals continues. In this case, my office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court and judged by a jury of citizens. In the meantime, I must emphasize that the indictment is only an allegation uh-huh. and that the defendant must be presumed innocent until sure. proven guilty. Yeah, because none of us saw it in real time in a court of law. I would like to thank the members of the Federal Bureau of Investigation who are working on this investigation with my office, as well as the many career prosecutors and law enforcement agents from around the country who have worked on previous January 6th investigations. Mm -hmm. These women and men are public servants of the very highest order, and it is a privilege to work alongside them. Thank you. He's a man of few words. That would be Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, who says the the uh, investigations are ongoing. And, um, you know, let's see. So we have the six unindicted co-conspirators, which if you listen to the legal experts, um, the reason that they are at this point unindicted, but named, well, not named, but identified as co-conspirators, is that... Um, they really want to get this to trial soon. They want to, you know, um, a speedy trial, which is what they're all supposed to be. And the, um, uh, sorry, I, I shouldn't look at the chat when I'm, I'm just trying to talk contemporaneously because I get distracted. But the, uh, uh, without mucking up the, the, the gears, so to speak, if there's only one defendant, then you don't have additional defense attorneys throwing out motions and trying to delay. If there were seven defendants charged in this indictment, it would be years before this got to trial. Jack Smith is is bound and determined to get this to trial with plenty of time before the uh, 2024 presidential elections. At this point, it appears that Donald Trump will be on the ballot. He appears to be, you know, <laughs> the runaway Republican nominee, which just blows my mind. So it's not so much, well, I do have problems with Trump, but I have more problems with that portion of the American people who just ignore this. And I know, look, they think they're getting news from their right wing uh the propaganda outlet, be it Fox or Newsmax or OAN, if they still exist, or right-wing hate talk radio, who are bending over backwards to protect this guy, to defend him, say, oh, it's no big deal. Meanwhile, remember all the shit about Hillary Clinton's emails? Well, you know what? Jason Leopold is coming up. And Jason, um, well, he can tell you about Hillary Clinton's emails. And why is Sue calling me? She knows I'm on the air. Um, so uh, we're going to get to Jason in a minute. But before we do, uh, well, I, I may play this when he's here. But remember this clip 
You see, Donald Trump, if you remove the names and just change them around, remember what we've learned in this indictment and actually actually in the previous indictment, the one dealing with the documents in Mar-a-Lago, is that Donald Trump ordered the servers that had the security footage at Mar-a-Lago to be erased, remember? But this is what Trump was screaming when he was, you know, fomenting chance of lock her up. If she were to win this election, it would create an unprecedented constitutional crisis. In that situation, we could very well have a sitting president under felony indictment and ultimately a criminal trial. Yeah. Well, we could. And now we could very well have a Republican nominee for the presidency of the United States under multiple criminal indictments, under multiple trials, (laughs) perhaps simultaneously, we don't know, um, going on at the same time. It It is astounding. And my goodness, how his tune changes depending on you know, who he's talking about. All right. Um, We will get into this topic with my guest, Jason Leopold, who will be with us in a moment. I don't know if he knows I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it, Jason. I hope you don't mind. Um, uh, So Jason Leopold, you know, has been dubbed the, uh, the FOIA terrorist by certain members of the media, of the government, not the media. I'd like to call him the FOIA master, although I've updated that a bit because I think he's the king. He's the FOIA king because, you know, master is just it, it just has negative connotations. Even even if the governor of this year's state where I'm still sitting, Florida, thinks, you know, masters are just perfectly fine. And, you know, they 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 provided so much benefit to their humans that they owned. So the word master is so FOIA King. We'll call him the FOIA King. But these days, Jason is at uh, Bloomberg News and Bloomberg News just I, I maybe Jason knew about it ahead of time. I'll have to ask him. But I was certainly surprised the other day when I opened up my Internet and I see this video um, about it says meet the man who sues the government for information. So a little, we already know Jason, but this will serve as a, another introduction to our friend, Jason Leopold, the FOIA king. Take it away. This is Jason. He has more than 2,500 band shirts. He does. Enjoys 80s thrash metal albums. Has a dog named Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Drinks black coffee uh-huh. in the morning. Yeah. And I sue government agencies for information. Yeah, baby. How to get government secrets, it says. I'm Jason Leopold, and I'm an investigative journalist. Money laundering, corruption, covert programs, secret service, visiting celebrities. I have the luxury of dipping my toe into any subject. I've been described as a FOIA terrorist by the FBI. I've also been referred to as a member of a FOIA posse by the Department of Justice. And the NSA has actually said I've weaponized the FOIA.
Freedom of Information Act, which is commonly known as the FOIA, is a law that gives you the right to access information from the federal government. It's a half-century-old law. Often described as a law that keeps citizens in the know about what their government is doing. It's an incredibly powerful tool. So I first got involved with the Freedom of Information Act probably about 15 years ago. And really where it started to pick up was during Occupy Wall Street. I started to file requests with the FBI related to their role in allegedly dismantling the encampments that were set up around the country. Remarkably, the FBI responds to my FOIA request by stating they had no records and they could not locate any records. So I had hooked up with a attorney and he told me, well, we can sue the agency. We can sue the FBI. And I was like, wait, what? I can sue the government? <laughs> uh, where do I sign up? And wouldn't you know, once I sued them, they found those records that they said they could not hmm. find. And from that moment on, I just kind of kept filing requests and suing the government. I'm constantly filing FOIA requests. I've easily filed more than 5,000. There are instances where I'll be driving and I'll hear something on the radio and I need to pull over because I have to get the request filed. Really what I'm trying to do is to pry loose records so I can build out investigations, but also trying to get records that would enlighten the public and shed light on hot button issues. I think the FOIA is underutilized by the general public. Journalists only make up a sliver of requests that are filed on the federal level. There's certainly been an uptick in the use of FOIA over the past decade or so, but the majority <laughs> of modem. the FOIA requests that federal government agencies receive are from commercial requesters, people who are taking that information and selling it. They're not requesting records that are in the public interest. They're not sharing those records with the public. The FOIA request is what I refer to as a template. My template says, this is a request under the Freedom of Information Act, then I cite the law, and I'm telling the agency exactly what I'm looking for. So it's a very simple process, but it can also be painstaking, and here's why. Agencies are not so eager to turn over records and I just sit back and wait but sometimes waiting can take years it's like Christmas when I get these <laughs> whoa whoa US Treasury Financial Crimes Enforcement Network and this is a request that I actually filed back in 2017 whoa. so whoa. it's taken the agency about six years there really is no general wait time. There's more than 400 federal government agencies. So depending on the agency, the request can take anywhere from three months to 10 years. The least amount of time that I've waited for documents was about two days. I would say that the record of documents that arrived on my doorstep in one day was probably about 7,000 pages from the State Department. And I think that they did that as a you to me, knowing that I'd have to thumb through each and every page. The request that had the most impact, and I mean the most Here we go. impact, 
was for Hillary Clinton's email. We are all accountable to the American people to get the facts right. And it was my request and my lawsuit that became the vehicle by which all of Hillary Clinton's emails were released. And by the way, like, I had no idea she had a private server. I was just trying to, like, get the public to be like, hey, look, it's our emails. Anyway. <laughs> the FBI has uncovered new evidence in its investigation of Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Donald Trump is praising the FBI's decision to review new emails. Another FOIA request that I filed, and ultimately a lawsuit, that resulted in thousands of records that were released that had enormous impact were records around Robert Mueller's report into whether or not Trump had colluded with Russia during the campaign of 2016. I was able to get Donald Trump Jr.'s name unredacted from the Mueller report. Yeah, baby. I've gotten records from the government where they talk about me in emails. And one time, the FBI sent an agent out to investigate one of my FOIA requests. And I only found out about that because I filed a FOIA request with the FBI. Wow. The most rewarding part of this job has always been holding power to account and speaking truth to power. That is really what keeps me going and being able to shine a light into dark places. Jason Leopold, a profile put together by his uh, current employers at Bloomberg News. How awesome was that? And now the man of the hour, the FOIA king. I don't like the terrorist word and master we need to put out to pasture. So the FOIA king. Hey, Jason Leopold. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for that amazing intro. That video. <laughs> but t- 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 thank your employer. How cool was that? Well, how did that come about? It was very cool. I mean, you know, as you know, I spent five and a half years at BuzzFeed, right? So I, I built up this operation when I was there uh, around the Freedom of Information Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and that entailed just, you know, filing numerous requests with, with government agencies as well as suing those agencies. So BuzzFeed was very used to, you know, what I was doing. They, they got me. They, they knew what I was doing. And when I went to Bloomberg, they were really interested in that kind of work as well, but were probably not completely familiar with how I was doing it, how I do my thing, yeah. you know, right. how I go about, you know, aggressively pursuing uh, records from the government. So um, after a number of stories that I had written last year, you know, some stories, uh, scoops that, that, you know, that I got from, for Bloomberg that we published, mm-hmm. um, which generated a lot of interest. There was kind of interest behind the scenes of like, hey, tell us, how do you do this? And um, the amazing, you know, uh, documentary team uh, at Bloomberg Quick Take, that's uh, what we call a quick take, you know, put this uh, put this together is a way of kind of showcasing, you know, the the work that I do and the work mm-hmm. that you know we're, we do for, um, you know, um, the work that you honor truly on behalf of the public. Right. You know, it it is pub- so good. That that is such a great piece. It's the perfect length. It's like six and a half, seven minutes. So it's not too right. long, but it gets it, yeah. it's more yeah. than just a little two minute fluff thing that you don't really learn anything from. 
Um, yeah. So cool. Beautifully done. Uh, it, my husband saw it first and he said, hey, look at look at this about Jason. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. I mean, look, it's um, it's Bloomberg uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, I, it, it, it's not BuzzFeed. Uh, so the fact that I have, you know, <clears throat> the opportunity to showcase my you know, my band t-shirts, yes. you got to look in my closet there, uh, Nicole. I love it. I, and, so I've known it's yeah, there, but I had never seen them all folded yeah, so neatly the, uh, like that. Right. There's good folding technique. Good going job. On. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, tattoos and all that. So uh, it's, you know, a little edginess for Bloomberg, um, for sure. That's so, yeah. but that now they get you there. So they, they're embracing. They the, get me, Nicole. The, 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 the Leopoldness <laughs> of the Jason. Yes, they've been great, you know, uh, and it, it, I've just actually uh, wrapped up my first year there. So it's been wow. a year already. Wow. So, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. And, you know, having having the uh, the opportunity to continue to do this work, I feel, is, um, you know, is as a privilege, really, because it's so difficult out there in the, uh, you know, in the, the, the world the of journalism, of, especially of, of journalism and, and just you. You know, have no idea what's going to happen next with any newspapers or websites or, you know, so, um, so right. I feel very fortunate. Now, have you met Michael yet? <laughs> I have not met Michael yet. I have not met uh, Mayor Bloomberg. Wow. Okay. But you're, you're yeah. based in LA. Are there main headquarters in New York? They are. Yes. New York is, is kind of the home base. And um, yeah, we have a, <clears throat> nice sizable uh, bureau out here. And I mean, it's a huge organization, you know, there's 2,700 journalists, Wow. you know, that, that work at Bloomberg. So it's just, yeah, you know, as I told you, when we, you know, when, when we spoke, when I first got the gig a year ago, it was sort of like culture shock. And I've been used to working in, you know, for, for at least like the past 20 years, much, you know, newsrooms that are much, much smaller. Right. So, to be, um, you know, to be a, to be at a big place like this, and doing a lot of a lot of work from home, and now you, I know at least yeah. when you first started, you were going to the office and you were wearing actual shirts, like button wow. shirts. Yeah. I still am. Really, summertime now, so I just, you know, casual a bit, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's different to call them. I'm a little grown up now. I, I see, but but I love the Tom Waits T-shirt. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah, you ever you ever get to see him live? I have not, no, I have not had the opportunity to see Tom Waits live, and I, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I did once. I'm going to make you really jealous. I was yeah. at the taping of his VH1 Storytellers. Oh. Oh, my oh, God. That was, that was a pinch me moment. That was, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. That's amazing. Yes. So, see, one of the reasons I love talking to Jason is because he's as big a music fan as I am, and we can talk yeah. about anything. Like, when I mentioned to you that last week, I had Michael Franti on the show, and we yes. were going to see him. You came back with, wow, I was a big uh, uh, fan of the, 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 the uh, I, I was Disciples of Hypocrisy. Disposable, disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's so funny because that album, um, this is before Spearhead, right? Long before you know, Spearhead, yeah. That, um, you know, that album's from the early 90s. Yeah. But it's so... It was so ahead of its time. And even the, you know, the, the lead single track, whatever, you know, that, that, that they pushed off that album, which is 
you know, television, you know, mm-hmm. the drug of uh, the nation. The nation, right? Um, it's uh, it was pretty prescient. So, yes, very much so. It, it and the hold, thing it holds up pretty well. Yes, it did. And uh, the Disposable Heroes was a lot more political. Michael Franti yes. now is like this guru of feeling good, just positivity yeah. and happiness. And you can't go to his shows without feeling great. On the other hand, I went to see Jackson Brown last night, who his songs can move me to tears. Even after 50 years, I was saying, you know, Late for the Sky, which is one of my all-time favorite oh, yeah. albums, that album. song, that song makes me cry. Still does, yeah. even though it's about a failed relationship. I mean, back then, you know, when it came out, I was like 14. But the first time I met Jackson Brown, I had seen him at a show. He played Late for the Sky, and I tears fell. And the guy I was with is a friend of mine. And we got to meet Jackson afterwards, and he goes, you made her cry. He's like, what? Oh. I'm like, Late for the Sky makes me cry. But I always yeah. said that the mark of a really great song is if it elicits a um, a physical response, be it goosebumps or tears or joy. Well, that's what I, I remember when I first heard, uh, and it was off Nico from Velvet Underground, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, when she recorded on her solo album, uh, These Days. Ah, uh, great job. Uh, he played that last night. I had, I had no idea. This was a long time ago. So I had no idea, you know, that Jackson Brown um wrote the song yeah you know and, oh and you just knew nico's just, version i had only heard you know nico's version which is so different and it's you know it's it is very dark uh-huh. um, and then i remember hearing jackson brown's version where you're focusing far more on the lyrics mm-hmm. you know than, than you know the version nico sang and i remember when i first heard his version mm-hmm. It gave me chills. And it, it, I started revisiting it, you know, about uh, just that song. And, and there are certain songs, like if I were to put a playlist together, it's like these are the songs I return to all the time. Um, but that, when I, I started revisiting that, um, you know, seven years ago after my brother died. That was seven uh, years ago already? It was just past seven years. Oh, my yeah. God, Jason. And, wow. uh, and like the, the lyrics just you know, resonated, um, you know, these days I don't do much talking, you know, these days, mm. uh, which is really, you know, kind of, kind of summed up what, um, what I was feeling, you know, at the, at the time and long after, but amazing. Yes. Uh, without a doubt. We could, we could talk music for hours, but yeah. maybe we'll get back to it at the end. Let's and I also talk- notice a, uh, uh, a little uh, Warren Zevon gold oh, album. Oh, I've had that. Can I tell you what, what Jackson Brown opened with and what he's opening with on this tour yeah. is Don't Let Us Get Sick. Which oh, is, wow. Which is a great song from that album. Yeah. That is a... Is that Life Will Kill You? Um, oh, it was Life Will Kill I was thinking it's The Wind. So that is a gold record. Let me yeah. see if I can pull for or platinum award, sorry, for The Wind, which was his final album. Right. Which was... Um, it had uh, oh um um oh uh, now now I'm drawing a blank on it. The song you know uh, basically the remember me. Uh, I'm I'm dr- drawing a blank now. But it's just a brilliant album. That was his swan song. It was his last album, and so I got rid of most of my gold record awards and stuff. But that one oh, I wow. keep because it's special. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got that one. I've got a Marcone. I've got a Lyle Lovett. I got a couple others that I kept, but most of them I got. Very better. cool. Yeah. So I love your collection of, uh, of uh, memorabilia. And I love your collection of T-shirts. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jason Leopold is here. You know, in that video that back yeah. to, you know, serious topics that Bloomberg right. produced, they did mention that you are the guy who was responsible for those Hillary Clinton emails. And I played this Trump cut. I'll play it again. If she were to win this election, it would create an unprecedented constitutional crisis. In that situation, we could very well have a sitting president under felony indictment and ultimately a criminal trial. Uh, ultimately a criminal well that's what we're going to have with him yeah. um now the whole many, e- of them. many of them right uh, there could conceivably be three or four uh right. ha- because georgia's still to come uh around the same time what happens in that case did they all defer to the biggest one it's honestly i mean it's unclear and part of it the reason it's so unclear is because this is unprecedented so you know, I mean, a, 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 a indictments and, and, um, and trials taking place in D.C., New York, you know, Florida, uh, Georgia, yeah. if, if that comes through. So uh, I, I couldn't even begin to, you know, guess or even provide an educated guess on how, how that's all going to shake out. Now, do you have any um, outstanding – so when something like this, a story as big as Trump and – you know, and there's countless stories. I, I couldn't, yeah. you know, literally countless stories. You could just throw it all against the wall and see what sticks. Um, what are, are there any elements of this that you're working on? Or are there any pieces of information sure. that you're trying to glean? Yeah. Before we go to that, Nicole. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do want to address the, you know, like the, I feel like I, I every time I get the opportunity, I'm going to address it, which is, you know, the Hillary Clinton emails. Yes, please. And you know, when we were doing this video, um, we were talking about like, tell you know, one of the questions I was, you know, asked and some of the things we were talking about, I was like, what, what, what had the most impact? And really it was that, you know, that lawsuit for Hillary Clinton's emails. But I think it's, it's, we've gotten so far past it that so many people have no idea that I was the one kind of responsible for prying that loose, but the the reasons behind it were, um, you know, I feel like it's important for me to articulate, which was in November of 2014, you know, I filed a request with the state department to, you know, I asked for all of Hillary Clinton's emails. The reason I asked for that. And the reason I asked for, you know, any document is to kind of get insight as to what's happening behind the scenes. But it became clear that she was going to be the Democratic, you know, front runner, right? Mm-hmm. She was going to be the nominee. It was very obvious, even that early on. And so the emails, along with many other records I asked for, um, was uh, an attempt uh, and a good one at that, if I may say, to you know, provide some insight to the public as to how the nation's top diplomat would perform as president and how she handled matters related to foreign policy, human rights, um, LGBTQ issues. And so in January of 2015, Mm. I sued the State Department when they just obviously didn't respond, you know, um, uh, to to my request. And I knew I was going to sue them. And at that time, I had no clue 
that she had a private email server. So at this point, this was just, hey, want to get the records? They're going to share them. Two months after I sued, um, the New York Times broke the story that she had a private server. But my lawsuit was already in motion. And from that moment on, you know, the the issues around the private server and did she send classified records and, you know, or issues or, or, or emails that were classified went going back and forth, you know, what, 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 how that was weaponized. It just, it was out of my hands. You know, my, my lawsuit is, is what ultimately forced these monthly releases, but it's this scandal over the private server that I had no idea about that took over. Right. So it never, never had the opportunity to discuss really, you know, what the content was, what it showed, what the public could learn from it. It truly learned from it. I don't mean like, you know, please print, which was a very common thing she said in, in her emails. <laughs> please print. Um, right. It was, um, you know, there was just, the, the, you know, the, the noise around everything else. It was just, it, it, was, it was out of my control at that point. So um, anyway, so that's this, just to provide but- some important context. Most you definitely, know, but you know, keeping to that theme there. Um, so the, the, the emails that were leaked weren't hers. They were John Podesta's. They were the other, Correct. other Correct. people that surrounding was, her. Yeah, that was separate. And I also want to just note um, that, you know, I don't say that as like, Hey, this is, you know, an, an, an excuse. This is my job. My right. job is to get government documents on everybody, you know, right. everyone. Right. You You're know, not a no partisan actor. Off, right. Right. No one's off limits, you know, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what I do. So love me, hate me, whatever, you know, you want. We love you. Um, it's, it's not going to change how I, you know, kind of right. how, and, how I do this work. And it's always, look, the role of the fourth estate, I believe, is to uh, keep them honest, to keep tabs right. on what the people in power are doing. And right. unlike today's Republican Party, and I, I'm qualifying it, today's Republican Party is not like anything that I've seen before in my lifetime in this country, in that they right. are so partisan. It's all, if you're not with us, you're you're the enemy. And, yeah. you know, I remember presidents saying, look, if you didn't vote for me, I, I get it, but that's okay. I'm still your president. That's yeah. not how they feel. They have... You know, and, and, but they turn it on us and say, "Oh, the Democrats—they're—they're they're politicizing everything. They're—they're—they're they're, they're, um, weaponizing the DOJ." No, the DOJ is going after criminals, and Donald Trump happens to be the probably the worst perpetrator of crimes against this nation, also in my lifetime. So it, it's got nothing to do with weaponizing anything. It's about going after the crooks, right? Right. And, you know, to your question that you asked earlier, do I have anything related to this? I mean, I have a ton of documents. So after January 6th, after the insurrection, you know, and even a little bit before that, when 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 the results came in from from uh, the 2020 election and Biden won and then Trump took these steps to, uh, you know, overturn those results. I had, you know, again, used the Freedom of Information Act and filed a number of uh, of requests with the Department of Justice and uh, some other agencies and sued those agencies uh, related to not just, you know, January 6th, um, the uh, uh, the insurrection, but the the, um, you know, Trump's role in, in trying to overturn 
the results. And so for the past three and a half years, I continue to get records and continue to go to battle with the Justice Department in prying loose some of those records um, that uh, would kind of show what took place behind the scenes. So just as an example, after the indictment was, um, you know, was announced yesterday, and there are, forgive me, I don't know if it's six co-conspirators. Six. That uh, uh, Six yep. co-conspirators. Mm-hmm. So others in the media, not me, but others in the media have, um, you know, speculated on on who those individuals. I did are. as as we learned that there were six, and and who yeah. you know they're identified as co-conspirator one, a lawyer who did, and we kind of sussed it out. I think I don't think right. they are. Uh, it, it, uh, they attempted to camouflage them in any way. I think most of yeah. them are fairly yeah. obvious. So, so I went into my you know I have as I as I mentioned I have this you know cache of records. And, um, you know, in that cache, I went into, I found this uh, one email. Um, and I think it was, it was a, you know, a very important email. Uh, and it was written by Jeffrey Clark. Uh, and it was sent, Jeffrey Clark was the former acting assistant attorney general. Right. Others in the media had mentioned him as, you know, uh, potentially being an, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the unindicted co-conspirators. Again, I want to make clear that I haven't done any reporting on that. But I shared an email mm-hmm. that he had sent, and I'm going to send it to you here. I, I, I tweeted this out. Um, sorry, I didn't realize that pops up on the oh, screen. It does. That's that's okay. From Jason Lee. Right. To everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, I, you know, I shared this email, and this was an email that Jeffrey Clark had sent to. Uh, Richard Donahue and, and acting attorney general Jeffrey Rosen on December twentieth, two thousand twenty, twenty twenty. So just a couple of mo- a month after the election, and he had this proposal um, that he wanted to uh, offer up and get approval on, uh, and, it, and it provides some important behind the scenes uh, insight as to what was happening inside DOJ uh, at that time. As, as Trump was working to, you know, block the, you know, the certification and um, overturn the results. And, uh, you know, he in, in this email, he's uh, saying that he wants authorization to get a classified briefing from uh, the Office of Director of National Intelligence on foreign election interference issues so that he can, you know, then work to, you know, put out a statement where DOJ would say, that uh, you know there there are these uh, uh, inter- uh, th- this potential interference or alleged interference by foreign actors. Essentially, you know, it, it, to summarize his uh, his email, um, that the public shouldn't have full confidence in the results of the election. And then the the response, this very lengthy response by um, you know the uh, acting deputy uh, attorney general. Uh, just lays bare one the grave constitutional issues associated with you know with Jeffrey Clark's attempts to do that, mm-hmm. uh, and and the fact that they say that like we don't see any evidence of it um, of what you're claiming, and you know the the what's important about Jeffrey Clark is that he was you know ha- has been it's been reported that he's you know one of the individuals that Trump yeah. kind of carried out that you know those efforts so. 
you know, so that's a very long way of me saying to you that, you know, I'm trying to collect all these documents, which are really like puzzle pieces, almost putting it all together. So, you know, we can get a good sense of what's, you know, what, what happened, what it looks like behind the scenes, because just like Mueller and, and, and even now with, um, you know, with Jack Smith, um, you know, they, they have provided some, uh, idea of, of what their evidence is. Um, but we don't get to see it, right? You don't get to see that kind of raw Intel or whatever they collected. That's right. what I've been collecting. So well, that and, and other things as well, you know, related but, to, um, to what he's facing. Well, I see you tweeted yesterday, or it says 19 hours ago, former DOJ acting assistant attorney general, Jeffrey Clark's January 8th, 2021 resignation letter that he sent to acting AG Jeffrey Rosen and Deputy AG Claire Murray and Rosen's response. So you said via my ongoing FOIA lawsuit for docs related to Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So you have all kinds of these things in in the files. (laughs) How do you file them? How do you keep track of all those thousands of documents? Because they send you hard copies, right? These are not computer files. You get hard copies. No, they, they've picked up in the years and, and I now get electronic copies. So most of the time it it will still come in on, believe it or not, on CD. Wow. You know, and by the way, you know, there's no longer CD drives in any laptops or any, yes, (laughs) you know, a, a separate one. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's a variety of formats, but I keep it, you know, I keep it in various, I have various electronic folders, always having to kind of up my space. I, I, I feel like I need to, um, you know, buy myself some servers, um, <laughs> private servers, servers. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot there. And what's really interesting, what's really fascinating to me is just uh, on the, you know, uh, on, on the Trump stuff is, you know, things I'm getting from four or five years ago, which, yeah, you may think that it, it's not noteworthy anymore. It's, 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 um, it's newsworthy. It's still newsworthy because, uh, you know, not just because Trump, you know, is running for president again, but um, these are things that we're, you know, that we're learning about that uh, only now where we're getting the details on, that it's either being prosecuted, you know, or, um, or, uh, you know, that it's, it's, it's still kind of in the headlines, you know, some of that relates to Durham. A lot of it also relates to, you know, the, um, uh, taking of classified records and, and storing them Mar-a-Lago. I mean, I have another, I have multiple lawsuits around that. And I started on that quest to get those records you know, almost two years ago. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, we could go for hours on the the hypocrisy of them. You know, if 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 a Democrat had records, that's you know, that's prosecutor, that's prosecutable. That's, you know, as bad as it gets. But if it's Trump, it's no big. Why are they doing yeah. this? They're, yeah. You know, the whining is just ridiculous. They need to take the names off of people and say, here, a government official is charged with right. blah, blah, blah. And then, right. you know, these people might get a clue. Yeah. Um, before by we, the way, yes. by the way, I can just add. Yeah. I, I also do have a lawsuit against, um, you know, the National Archives and, and I think DOJ for for how they, you know, for for Biden's presidential or, or Biden records that Biden, you know, was uh, was storing that they deemed were classified. 
as well as, you know, going back 20 years to other, you know, presidents right. in terms of like classified records, because it, it kind of just, you know, want to want to see, you know, what that looks like. The, you know, the Trump case, there's no question is totally, totally different. You know, I've already seen some, you know, records, um, you know, that I received from, uh, uh, you know, related to Biden, where, you know, somebody notices it, they, they, they contacted NARA. Um, so it's very, very different, but um, and my they're, point being they're not that trying I'm to very, hide anything. Anything they find, yeah. they turn over and say, yeah, they shouldn't have had right. it in the first place, but, you know, they... Right. And it really does kind of like, I want to look at the kind of, you know, larger, broader issues, you know, around it, if, if any exist, right. you know, so... Right. And good. That's that's doing your job. That's what you should be doing. Because, look, uh, again, here's the difference between the rest of us and today's Republican Party. If a Republican does it, there should be no consequence. It's fine. They're not doing anything wrong. If a Democrat does it, throw the book at them and 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 lock them up. Um, You know, and I think most of us on the left, not all of us, but most of us feel if they're crooks, Get them out of there. We want honesty. We want truth. We don't want this kind of shit. And we we don't want to be at war with our fellow citizens. Um, they may think differently than us, but they shouldn't be the enemy. And th- that's why we're in this position. So, Jason Leopold, um, I'm lo- you know looking through your Twitter feed, and I noticed that just a few days ago was National Whistleblower Day. A lot of what you do, you couldn't do without the help of whistleblowers. And you, last year were integral to a huge story that cut across a number of different media outlets um, and uh, with the FinCEN files. And you you do mention the whistleblower, May Edwards, and you constantly, I mean, you posted something, it was July 30th, so just a few days ago, and you say today's National Whistleblowers Day, thank you to whistleblower May Edwards. She's at three underscore whistleblower on Twitter whose disclosures to me form the basis of the FinCEN Files reporting project and helped usher in a new era of corporate accountability around the globe. Um, you wrote, May sacrificed her freedom to do this. And you're, you're quick to give her credit for this. That was a huge story, but not as easy to grasp as her emails. So it wasn't on the front pages as much as I thought it would be, but it, it, it had a lot of ramifications, that, that series, yes? Oh, it, it it totally had a lot of ramifications. Well, first of all, May went to jail. May went you know, to jail. She was prosecuted by the, you know, by the government, and uh, she was sentenced to six months in jail. I'm, okay. I'm glad that she did not serve. You know, uh, she, she did not receive a longer sentence, uh, like uh, like others who have, you know, leaked, yes. you know, records that were in the public interest. Uh, but it was a result of her disclosures that helped push through, you know, important legislation when our store after our stories were published, and that's the Corporate Transparency Act, you know, and um, uh, you know th- this was a story that 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 we had. A, this was when I was at BuzzFeed, and there were you know more than a hundred different media outlets that we partnered with. Right. Um, that, uh, you know, published stories and there were hearings around the world, laws were changed. I mean, it really did have a lot of impact, but it's, it's true. It it was not, you know, a, 
uh, something that was that you could easily grasp um, as you would with anything at that time, especially where it was, you know, something you have Trump in the headline and boom, it just, uh, you know, causes everyone to get to talk, you know, take notice and talk about for, you know, for endless amounts of time. Right. No, that's that's true. Uh, the, and th- this there, that story, that story or series of stories is still creating waves. Again, it's not it's not so easy to grok and you can't yeah. just summarize it in a quick paragraph. So it, it, it gets skipped over a lot. But this is one of the more consequential things that one of the more consequential stories that you were instrumental in breaking. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that this was by far or that was by far the biggest story that yeah. I've ever, ever worked on. I mean, it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize, you know, so right there, um, you know, it just it, it got a lot of recognition in, in, in that place. But, yes. you know, there was a lot at stake here. And, um, you know, one, because when, when I was working on it, I spent two years working on it. I knew that the government, you know, at that point had been uh, pursuing my source and ultimately prosecuted her. And, you know, it wasn't clear whether or not they were going to try and come after me. Ooh. You know, so it was it, 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 it was a very tough time. And at the same time, you know, this totally changed her life. And I wanted to be very, you know, uh, mindful of what she was going through at that time. And I was very concerned. But it was, this was, it was the biggest story, you know, that I had ever worked on. You now, know, do I'm, you... I'm, not, I'm not even sure if there's anything that would ever right. come close to that. Not. Do you worry um, that in this this move towards fascism that's happening, frankly, not only here, but in a lot of places around the world. You look, God, look at Israel, look at Italy, look at Spain, look at France, look at, you know, this is frightening. But here with Trump and his attitude towards the media and where, you know, journalists are being threatened, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the fourth estate, that's what the free press is for, to keep tabs on the government. Well, that's the reason why he's, vilifying the media because they're outing the truth about him. Do you worry about should he get back into power for that reason? There are a lot of reasons to worry if he gets back into power. Yeah. I mean, you know, I definitely think that the justice department as a whole, um, and I'm not so sure, you know, how much of that, how much of that is, happening now but i definitely worried at the time certainly that you know the justice department was trying to find the right case where they could you know charge a member of the media yeah. with with either being a co-conspirator in a leak or some sort of uh crime related to reporting and you know the other thing that's you know that's worrisome is there are instances where you know it it, it appears that the supreme court wants to revisit Sullivan versus, you know, the landmark Sullivan versus New York Times case, you know, um, and ultimately, you know, kind of reverse it, potentially, uh, where 
that would do great damage to the way the media, you know, would would report. So I think that the chill already exists, you know, and and we've yes. seen that, you know, over many many years. So, you know, it is it is kind of worrisome, um, and uh, it's it, you know that lots of lots of people out there are very litigious. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I feel like the media. Um, I certainly, by the way, let me just say that I think the media could do a, you know, I would never want to be a media critic, but I'm a consumer of news also. Yes. And I've got plenty of complaints about the way the media covers. Absolutely. You know, certain, but certain but I'd be, I'd be really, we'd be in a much worse situation if we didn't have a free press. Right. We could always right. have better reporters, better journalists, real journalists. Oh, yeah. Some of them are God awful. Some of them aren't journalists at all pretend you know play them on television Um, the problem is you know making the the distinction between the good ones the real ones and the shit ones and it's not as easy as saying well cnn sucks and uh, it is easy when you talk about fox and oan and newsmax it's all propaganda but when you look at the 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 institutions the new york times the washington posts there are some good journalists working there and some hacks. So you really yeah. have to, as I always say, consider the source. But that's right. up to us, right? And uh, so it is. Uh, it's a scary time. I know that. Yes. Um, and, and I'm so glad you're there still doing this work. Um, Thanks, and, Nicole. And, and rocking on, Jason. So yes. we're hoping, <laughs> if all goes well, to head out west in Arizona September now is our target. So soon. Oh, we'll wow. See you it's just, soon. A, just a month. Well, hopefully it's not going to melt away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Florida's uh, going to fall into the sea. And yeah. um, I don't want to be here anyway because we do have a fascist, really scary governor here. And things in this state are going from bad to worse. And yeah. um, uh, at least Arizona, what I say is they didn't elect the fascists. Yeah. And it's closer to California. So I can get in the car and drive I if say- I need it. We can be in the same time zone and eventually, you know, head out to some music festival. Oh, without a doubt. We are going to do that. We I'm so, yeah. can't wait. I, I'm so excited to get out there. And, and uh, yeah, I miss you. So we need to hang again. Mutual. We will soon. Jason Leopold, the chat room's already asking to have you back. Uh, Diane says you're interesting and delightful. <laughs> Thank you, Diane. <laughs> and I, And you know what? The whole time you've had this cursor, like bouncing around your nose yeah i don't know what that is i don't know if that's it looks like a reflection somehow because there's other ones too so it's not a cursor whatever it's it's the it's the angels it's not like a you know um something from some scope right oh god (laughs) no that would be red if it was red Uh, i'd tell you to duck (laughs) jason leopold Uh, I love you. Thank you. And congratulations on that video. It's so cool. It's nice to have a little there. There's your resume, you know, not that you need a new job, but um, thank you for being here. We'll talk soon. Love you. I look forward to it. And uh, me too. Bye. Okay. Bye, Nicole. Take care. You too. Jason Leopold. So you find him, everybody at Bloomberg.com. And he's still on the social, you know, and Twitter and stuff at, at Jason Leopold. All right. With that, we're done. Um, now, tomorrow uh, is Thursday is usually Howie Klein Day here on the show. Howie cannot be here tomorrow because he has um, um, uh, uh, a hospital day. You know, um, Howie battled cancer a few years ago and still, you know, keeps up with uh, just 
his health, so he won't be here tomorrow. Um, I'm doing two things. One is I already put a, a email out to Lisa Graves to see if she'll join us and weigh in on you know Trump's legal woes. Also, tomorrow is arraignment day, so he's supposed to be in the courtroom at uh, 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 in D.C. tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. We go on the air at five. So you know, stuff to cover. The other thing that I'm doing, and I started today, I'm about halfway through, and I hope to be done with it by tomorrow, is I am recording the entire indictment, this new third criminal indictment against Trump, because everybody needs to read it, and I know not everybody will read it. So I am recording it. I will podcast it. I will give you all the link. Everyone can share it. It will not be behind a paywall, but this is how you can get your friends and family who are like, I'm not going to read that 45 pages. I'm reading it for you. I knock on wood laminate. We'll have it done for you by tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So if you want to hear, I mean, this is, uh, this is how it starts. Just so you know, I'm not kidding. The United States of America versus Donald J. Trump. Ooh, defendant. sounds so good. Grand jury original violations. Count one. All right. So you'll get to hear the whole thing uh, tomorrow. I'll finish it up in the morning. I promise. All right. With that, we're done. Have a great night, everybody. Hasta mañana. Adios.